We've been making our way now through Genesis. We are more than halfway through the book of Genesis. As we study God's chosen people, the Israelites. We studied uh, of Abraham, the first Israelite, the first Jew, the first Hebrew. And from Abraham, we saw his family line. We saw he had a son, his promised son that God had promised him to, despite his old age, Isaac. And then Isaac, we watched how the Lord brought his wife to him, Isaac and Rebekah. And we, as they were growing older, we, we witnessed Abraham, his passing. He passed away and was buried there in the cave of Machpelah with his wife. And then Isaac and Rebekah, they had twins. And the family tree continued to grow. And the line which the Messiah would come from was being lived out through these Hebrews. And they were looking toward that promise, that promise of faith. And as Isaac and Rebekah had these twins, Esau and Jacob, I'm wondering if Rebekah, knowing of the promise of the Messiah to come through their seed, if she was looking towards her sons, her twin sons, Jacob and Esau, as perhaps the coming Messiah. And suddenly Esau and Jacob, after they were growing up, one named Esau, and his name literally means red and hairy, his parents named him. And they named the second born, Jacob, Jacob, and his name meant uh, this someone who grabs you by the heels, who is someone who is uh, sneaky and manipula manipulative and someone who's going to try to swindle you. And it wasn't a, a nice name, Jacob. And sure enough, these uh, names kind of took after their, their character. We studied... Uh, how in chapter 25, Esau and Jacob, they were out there uh, in, the, in the field. Uh, Esau went to go hunting. And when he came back in with this uh, hunger after he was working for a long time, there was Jacob who had made this stew. And Esau saw the stew and he was so hungry and he said, hey, let me have some of that stew, brother. And Jacob saw an opportunity to take advantage of Esau's flesh. So he said, okay, I'll give you this stew, but you have to give me your position as the firstborn, the birthright, the inheritance that would pass on to you as the spiritual leader of our family, the double portion, all these spiritual meanings uh, that the firstborn would have as responsibilities. And Esau, thinking only of his flesh in the moment, said, fine, I, what is my birthright to me if I'm going to die? I'm j I just want to eat this food right here. 
And after he ate it, he realized what he did and he despised Jacob for making him say these words. You see, the, back then their word was very important to them. And Esau began to despise his brother. He actually was so saddened by this trade that he had made with Jacob. The New Testament Hebrews gives us a little bit of a commentary on this exchange between Jacob and Esau. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 16, 16 and 17, it says not to be like the profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. You see, Esau, his repentance was a false repentance. There wasn't a, a, a true conversion. He became bitter and angry and upset. And he was living in to satisfying his flesh. We read how he married these pagan wives, multiple pagan wives. And these wives were a thorn to Rebecca and Isaac. And so we see the, the character of Esau was a man who, who lived after his flesh. And now as these men are, are growing older, their, their dad Isaac is also getting older. And this is where we pick up in Genesis chapter 27. Beginning with verse one, it says this. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Isaac here, in his old age, he's become blind. He's, it's, it's interesting that the Lord allows this blindness to, to come to Isaac in his old age. Now Isaac, this man of God, had this inf uh, infirmity in his life. We also read about Moses in his old age that he actually had very good eyesight even up until the time of his passing. And what we recognize is that this health issue, it's not, they're not always caused by, by sin, but that Isaac was simply getting old and he was becoming blind. And before his passing, he's desiring now to bless his son. You see, 
there would be this special spiritual blessing that the father was going to pass on to his son. And so now as Isaac's getting old, he, he can't see anymore. He's getting fearful of his life. And the interesting thing, though, about him thinking he's about to die is actually he doesn't die till close to another 40 years after this uh, encounter right here that we're reading about. So Isaac is fearful that the end is near, but the Lord knew he still had some time. But nonetheless, he wanted to pass on this spiritual blessing that he was going to to his oldest son, Esau, and it belonged to Esau. This blessing of the firstborn, it included this double portion of the inheritance. And he was supposed to be the next patriarch in line. And even more importantly, there was this prophetic word of the land that was going to be passed off to him. Isaac would say this prophecy over his children. And also, even more incredible, is that the prophetic word would relate to the Messiah coming through that son's lineage. And so this was not just any regular birthright that he had given up. But this was the birthright that God actually was intending to give to Jacob so that the Messiah would come through him. Now in verse 5 it says, Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring it in. Remember, the dad's like, son, go get me the food, and when you come back with the food, I'm going to say this blessing over you. And in verse 6, So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, According to what I command you, go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from there from your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. Ah, so we see Rebecca's plot right here. She begins to scheme and to devise a way to enact her will of having Jacob become the next in line after her husband Isaac. Now, you remember that Rebecca, she loved Jacob. He was this boy who stuck around the home. He was uh, a mild-mannered kid. And growing up, he liked to be around his mom in the tents. And Esau was this manly man, this man who was a hunter and whom Jacob, I'm sorry, who Isaac loved intensely because the, this father is looking at his son like, yes, this is my big, strong, 
man's son. Yeah, wah, wah, wah. And then the son's growing up and he's hunting the animals in the field and he's able to come back and bring it to his dad and cook it. So Isaac loves this about Esau. He's this big hairy man. And there was a favoritism going on between uh, the mom and son and father and son. And this favoritism had actually brought this contention between the brothers. So because of this, Rebecca's like, I want my son, my favorite, to be the one who gets this, the double portion, the one who gets the birthright. Now this is sin for Rebecca to begin to devise this plot, to lie, to hide, to be sneaky. So in verse 11, it says, And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Now, notice here that Esau, just like you said, he's a hairy man. His name literally means hairy. It also means red. And notice how Jacob, he wasn't hesitant because of a moral reason. He didn't say, no, mom, this is not the right thing to do. He said, mom, well, I don't want to get caught. You see, it wasn't a moral reason, but it was a fear of having a curse brought upon him because he's getting caught. And it shows the insight of Jacob's heart at this point. Jacob, just like his name lived up to, he was someone who would grab at other people's heels, at his own brother's heel. He would try to take things that did not belong to him. He would try to be deceitful. He's manipulating his own will rather than allowing God to take him to that place that God wanted to take him to. If you remember when Rebecca had these two sons in her stomach, she, first of all, couldn't have any children. They were trying and trying to have children. And then finally, she conceived. And as she's, her stomach's growing, she realizes she's pregnant. But then at a certain point, suddenly there's these pains and, and groanings happening right inside of her, her stomach. And she begins to pray and ask God, God, why is this happening? And God speaks to her. And God tells her there's two nations that are going to be born from your stomach, from your seed. And these two nations, they're fighting with each other. They're at war with each other. And it's literally these twins. They're, they're fighting in her belly right now. And as these twins are, are fighting there, God tells her the younger is going to be over the older. And the older is going to serve the younger. Now, this is the promise that God gave. This is the promise that God gave to Rebecca. And she didn't need to steal 
and to lie and to cheat in order for this will to be completed. She should have just trusted that God was in control of the situation. And the same with Jacob. If God had promised that the older was going to serve the younger, then he shouldn't have felt that it was necessary to lie and to manipulate and to steal and to make his will be forced into his life. Maybe that happens to us sometimes. Maybe we are even given a word of the Lord of some call, some goal, some something we're supposed to, to work for and to achieve. But as we begin to strive for that goal, that cause, whatever it could be, maybe instead of doing it God's way, we begin to try to do it our own way. And sometimes we could be doing the right thing in the wrong way. And when you do the right thing in the wrong way, it's the wrong thing. Remember as we studied the the life of David? David at a certain point as he was growing as a king, he, he brought the Ark of the Covenant from this house and he was taking it to the temple. And he did it in this style that was actually not the way that God had intended it. They put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and they were parading it through the city and having this festival as they were as they were dancing and marching along. But the cart that the Ark of the Covenant was on, that the ox were pulling, it stumbled. And as the cart fell over slightly, the ark started to slide over. And Uzzah, one of the the men who was there, saw that the ark was going to fall, so he reached his hand out so that he could steady the Ark of the Covenant. As soon as he touched the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord struck him dead. And all of a sudden, everyone became fearful. And David was heartbroken that this happened, and he was upset and angry. And David had to realize that he was doing the right thing in the wrong way. Later on, he would still continue to, he would take the ark and do it the right way and have these men carry the ark and sacrifice before the Lord as they took the ark to the temple. But initially, the first time, there was a holiness that was lacking in their ceremony. And God corrected them. And there's those things in our own life when we know that or striving against our own hearts, our own minds. When we're so upset about uh, doing ministry or the work of the Lord, when it becomes all of a sudden a chore, or we, we think ill of, of the work that God has given us. Instead of allowing God's will to just live out in our life, of saying, okay, God, this is the place you've brought me to. This is the, the school, the job, the family that you've placed me in. Allow me to live and to grow in it, to be thankful for it. 
And may we continue to do the right thing in the right way. Jacob did not have to lie to get God's will to be complete. And in verse 13, as he's explaining to his mom, hey, like, I don't, I don't want to get caught. In verse 13, it says, but his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. I do notice that she knew what type of food her husband Isaac loved. Side note. And in verse 15, then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. So this is now becoming mission impossible, Jacob. He is under the instructions of his mother, putting on these goat skins that are hairy so that he can disguise his, the way his skin feels to his father. He's putting on his brother's clothes that his mom got him. And he's bringing to his dad this savory food that Isaac loved, that his mom made. All this under the disguise of being like Esau. And we could see now Jacob and his mother are in full striving for their will to be complete. It says in verse 18, So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. Now that game, it's, this is the animal meat that it's referring to. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Now we have to look at what Jacob is saying here. He's saying that God brought him the meat that God brought him the food. But did God bring the hunted animal to Jacob? No, that was a lie. Now, sometimes people are going to proclaim a work to be of God when it is simply their own flesh. People are going to say that their their music, their... Uh, job, their work, their relationship, that it's, it's honoring the Lord and this is for the Lord. When in reality, it's just people striving after their own flesh and their own desires. May we not use Jesus as a means for personal 
selfish gain. And may we also not get confused when our works are for our flesh and thinking that it's for the Lord. We have to bring these tasks that we are doing, these activities that we're doing before the Lord and say, is, is this really for, for God or is this for myself? Does this bring glory to God? Is a question that we should be asking ourselves in anything that we do. Sometimes when it comes to, to people asking me, hey, what do you think about uh, a Christian who does this? Or who uh, likes to entertain themselves within this area or, or, or do these activities? A lot of the times my response is going to be, does that bring glory to God in whatever activity that is? And if someone can say, yeah, in, in their life, they, it, it does bring a glory to the Lord then uh, who am I to argue with that? But we have to look at everything under the lens of what the Word of God teaches. Match everything up with Scripture. Did God bring the animal to Jacob? And the answer is no. And then in verse 21, Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may fill you, my son whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Wow, this is deceitful. This is wrong. Isaac was very blind, very old. He thought there was something suspicious about the voice of Jacob. He was like, is, is this really you? You have the voice of, of Jacob, but you have the hands of Esau. And then he smelled him. He says in verse 24, then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. In verse 25, he said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. Then he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. See all these deceptions, this deceit. No, we are given right in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. even to wearing his brother's clothes. You know, when I think about lying, a long time ago, a good friend of mine once told me that we lie to make ourselves feel better. Because if people knew the truth, 
sometimes in our life about some shameful thing that we've done. Yes, it might make that person feel bad, but then we would feel bad. And we don't want to feel bad. So that in order to stay away from that bad feeling, we, we lie. It doesn't make it right. This is sin. It's actually a selfish thing to be doing. Because you don't want to go through the truth of, of, of growth and of learning, of pain and of suffering. So you'll lie to avoid all that. But Jesus taught us the truth will set you free. When we finally say, you know what? I am a sinner. I am dirty and rotten to the core. God, forgive me. There's freedom in this. Jesus takes those sins, those lies, those deceptions, and he bears them on himself when he, he did this on the cross. And he got rid of death and hell and sin for the believer. This is why Jesus is so amazing when he lives in us. When we realize that we are going to make mistakes, suddenly we are not so scared because we know that Jesus is going to have his grace and forgiveness meet us. And it doesn't mean that we just say, oh, well, God's going to forgive us all the time and we could sin and lie and cheat and do whatever we want. No. It costs Jesus everything when he died on the cross for us. It costs his father, God, losing his only son. And what was expensive and costly to Jesus, to God, it shouldn't be made cheap for us in the sense that we, we take it for granted. It's free for us. It's a free gift. That's what grace is, freely given. The Bible teaches us you have been saved by grace through faith and not of yourself, but it is the free gift of God. And we can walk in this. We don't have to be lying as Jacob is here. And as his dad is smelling the, the scent of his brother Esau on him, he's about to bless him now. And in verse 28, he says, Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Now, this blessing that Isaac just proclaimed upon Jacob was for de the descendants of Jacob to grow and to fulfill it. They would have many nations and they would live in Israel. And we're going to read about what happens with Esau. 
It says, now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And I'm seeing here what the Bible is recording is that there is almost this, as soon as Jacob walks out of the room, having taken the blessing, that inheritance from his father, he gets out of sight and then Esau walks into the tent and he's there with the food and he's like, dad, I'm here. I got the food. I'm ready. And then in verse 32, and his father Isaac said to him, who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who? Where's the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came and I have blessed him and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Now, as we're going through this, you could see this dramatic account it must have been intense there in the tent with Esau and his father. Esau was probably in tears, so angry and enraged at what his brother had just stolen from him. And it says in verse 37, Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him, as servants, with grain and wine, I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Look at the way Esau is crying and weeping over this inheritance that he lost. And think back to the moment when he was there coming in from the field hungry. And Jacob said, I'll give you this bowl of stew if you just give me the birthright. He said, fine, what do I care about it? Give me the stew. 
Sometimes temptation in that moment, it makes us forget the reality of, of what we're losing out. Esau forgot that this birthright was actually super important, that it actually meant a lot to him. It actually had so much blessing in it. And he gave it away for a piece of food. That's what sin does in our life. It blinds us. May we call out to God in those moments of temptation. May we cry out to Jesus that he would fulfill us, that he would keep us on that path of abiding with Christ. And we see how his father Isaac still gave him a blessing, but it it was much less than the firstborn inheritance. He gave him a, a prophecy of descendants and of land in verse 39. And then in verse 40, he said that he would be serving his brother Jacob, his nation, the nation. Esau was the father of the Edomites, and they would be subservient to the Israelites until it says, you become restless and he shall, you shall break his yoke from your neck, which the Edomites did end up doing. In 2 Kings, they finally revolted in the days of King Joram. And they did break free from the Israelites. And throughout history, the Edomites and the Israelites, they weren't friends. They were enemies to each other many times. And this is the consequences of sin, of the flesh. Now in verse 41, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. A few lessons that we have seen in our study. One of those things, uh, as we read about Esau, is envy. We saw how Jacob was envious of what was going to be given to his brother Esau. And then when Esau lost that, he also became envious. The Ten Commandments, as I mentioned before, they tell us to stay away from coveting, from covetousness. Exodus 20 verse 17 says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So how do we, what do we do if we're to not covet? We need to have the Holy Spirit living in us. We need to seek that for that contentment. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, it says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. That was 1 Timothy chapter 6. We get too attached to materialism at times, to the things of this world, 
Sometimes we strive too hard for them. Jacob was striving. His mom, Rebecca, was striving so that they can have their will be done. When in reality, God was going to bring his will into their life regardless. They didn't have to lie and to deceive. And I'm reminded of Jeremiah being told by God to go to the potter's house and to watch as this potter was designing this clay bowl, this molding that this potter was designing. And then suddenly there was uh, something wrong with the clay, a, a spot in it that made the clay deformed. So the potter had to squish the clay and start all over and begin to build it up again. And the Lord told Jeremiah, you see, can I not do to Israel what this potter has done to his clay? As I'm forming them and molding them and shaping them, can I not destroy them and bring them back up so that they're made right? And that's what God has to do in our life, in our hearts many times. And this molding, this shaping, he's shaping us into his image, something that's beautiful. We see the hatred that Esau now had in his heart for his own brother. He hated him so much, he said, "When as soon as my dad's dead, I'm going to kill my brother. And I'm reminded of Jesus' words when he said, if you say you love your brother, but you have hatred in your heart for him, you've already murdered him. And I'm remembering how Peter told Jesus, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother who commits the same sin against me seven times? And Jesus was like, no, Peter, 70 times seven, meaning just forgive and forgive and forgive. The Bible teaches us that love covers a multitude of sins. These are, are the lessons that Jacob and Esau needed to learn in their life. And God was going to take them through their own journey of learning through these hard lessons. Now in verse 42, as we finish up, it says, In the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring him, bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? So Rebecca says, look, Jacob, I, I want you to, to leave. I don't want you to die and to lose both of you because if Esau, your brother, kills you, then they're going to come after and kill him. And I don't want to lose both of my sons. So she sends him to Laban. And the interesting thing is that Laban, we're going to find out later on, is almost twice as tricky and as deceitful as Jacob is. And Jacob is going to get a taste of his own medicine in the future. What we reap, we sow. 
but God's going to use those things later on in date in Jacob's life to mold him, to shape him, to grow him. And Rebecca at the end, she says this in verse 46. And Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Wow. So this is how uh, intense the kind of disliking that Rebecca had towards her, her son's wives, uh, Esau, because he married these pagan women. She was like, man, if Jacob marries these pagan women, I don't even want to live anymore. What good would my life be to me, she says. So, again, there is that, that call to, to be equally yoked. In all of this, we see God's sovereignty in this story of this family life. That God was allowing his will be performed through human vessels. God had made them promises, and these people were striving and sinning, but God was allowing these things to happen to teach them, to teach us. You see, Jacob sought to bring about God's plan in his life on his own terms, and God was going to teach him how to not do that, but how to rely on the Lord. We see God's justice in Esau's life. Perhaps we can think, man, it's kind of unfair that Esau would get the shorter end of the stick, that he would get robbed of his inheritance. But we have to also look at how God knew and was sovereign over the type of man that Esau was, who Esau was a man who married pagan wives and who was a man who many times chased after his flesh, who was a murderer at heart. God knew all these things. And when we come across these ideas or questions where we're not sure about, remember to fall back on what we do know, which is that God is good, that he's sovereign, that he's going to use all these things to work together for good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen. Let's end with some worship. And this week, may you stop striving to enact God's will in your life but allow God to just let his will be laid out before you. Does that mean we don't work in our spirit anymore? Does that mean we could just kick back and not have to work in ministry? No, we are, but we don't need to strive in our flesh. Ask God to give you discernment this week to refrain from striving in your flesh, in ministry, in work, at home. Perhaps there's too many things on your plate right now. Perhaps uh, there are things that God does not desire for you to have right now. May you have the wisdom to know when to say no. And would you trust 
Jesus this week, as he brings you into that call that he has specifically for your life. Share his name this week. Use it in conversation. Be filled with the spirit. Be filled with his grace, with his love. He died on the cross for our sins. And for this, we love him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. We pray and we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would forgive us of our sins. We pray and we ask, Father, that you would help us to stop striving. May we surrender to you fully, completely. Father, remove from us deceitful lips, Lord God, a deceitful heart. Help us to pass those tests. May Jesus be our everything, Lord. May we trust him. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sunday morning.